Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in our final week of our series, Chasing Carrots, The Endless Pursuit of More. Have you guys enjoyed this series so far? You guys have liked it? Just uh, thank you. Thank you so much. The one person that has enjoyed it. I'll preach to you the whole time. Just going to stand here preaching right to you. Um, but I, I've really enjoyed it. And the whole premise of this series, Chasing Carrots, is kind of like it's the carrot that's on the stick that hangs out in front of the horse, you know. And um, they can try and try to chase after it, but they're never actually going to reach it. And, and in this series, we've been talking about the elusive things in life like fame, like approval, like money, um, like perfection. These things that we'll chase after in life, but we're never going to grasp it. We're never actually going to grab hold of it. And we've been dealing with that lie that if I could just get a little bit more of that, just if I could just have a little bit more of, of whatever that is, like more money, or if I had more followers on Instagram, or um, if I, I guess followers on TikTok, whatever it may be, whatever that is for you, the fact that um, you're waiting until that happens to be happy is that you've fallen into the trap. You're chasing the carrot of whatever that is for you. And we're, we're addressing that this month. Um, our series verse comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6. And read this with me. It says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What does that mean? It, it, it means it's better to have less and have some peace. Then have everything in your hands, have a, what we call a two-handful life, but it's accompanied with, with toil and chasing after the wind that you're never going to grasp. It's better just to have one handful of life and have a little bit of peace. So today, um, we're going to be talking, in, in our final week, we're going to be talking about chasing comfort. Chasing comfort. We live in a world that is obsessed with living our, our best life, living our best life. You guys ever been on social media and you've seen that before, hashtag living my best life, hashtag blessed. We live in this world where everybody wants to be, you know, living their best life. And in fact, um, it, it's so crazy that there's even um, companies that you can hire to make your life look better than it is. So like, this is a real deal. You can actually hire this company and they can make it look like you're living your best life on social media, which this is good news for me because rather than spending thousands of dollars like going to these amazing places that would be life-changing experiences, I can just pay the small fee of $49.95 and I can have everything I ever wanted and I don't even have to leave my couch. Um, so... Here are some photos of Cassie and I um, when we visited uh, the Grand Canyon. Um, yeah, we visited the Grand Canyon. Uh, it's great. Um, here's one where Cassie and I, we visited uh, the pyramids, um, the Great Pyramid there. Um, and then my favorite, my favorite, this is our, our best life event today, is when Cassie and I actually hiked Mount Everest. Um, and uh, she's, she's definitely not wearing enough clothes. Um, 
If you guys didn't know, I meant I faked those photos. I know you're like, wow, this pastor really gets around. I know, I faked those photos. That was actually hiking, I think maybe Natural Bridge. It was a lot closer to home. Um, but this is what people do. They try to put on this, this facade that says, hey, I'm living so good right now. I'm living my best life. And uh, you know, there's people that actually do uh, have, have the edits and the things on social media in order to put off this, this false look to people. But many, most people's idea of their, their best life is a life that's full of comfort. You guys, would you, would you agree with that? Like if, if I was living my best life, I'm going to be living my most comfortable life. You got no worries, you got no stress, you got no pressure. It's just comfort. And I'm living my best life. And then there's this guy in the Bible, his name is the Apostle John, and he wrote a little bit about this. John was the best friend of Jesus, and so that means that if he's that close with Jesus, we can, uh, we can listen to what he has to say. In 1 John chapter 2, this is the first letter that John wrote to the church. He says this in verse 15. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now this seems like a really crazy verse. Like, you mean if I love anything, <laughs> this is like, if you love anything at all, uh, God's not, that's not what it's talking about. So 17 times the writer John, the Apostle John, uses the phrase, the world, in his first letter. So let's start with, what does that mean, the, the phrase, the world, what does that not mean? Okay, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't love people in the world. In fact, the Bible tells us the opposite. We should love people, including our enemies, which is the hardest thing that you probably have to do in this life. Um, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy the good gifts that God has given us. Because the Bible says that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. God gives us good things on purpose. So it doesn't mean you can't love the things that God's given you. And it doesn't mean that you can't love creation. Because God um, actually put us on this earth in order to take care of it. That's our entire purpose. We're supposed to take care of the earth. And, uh, and all of creation, the Bible says, that it testifies to the glory of God. That there's not going to be one person that gets to stand before God on, on, on account on judgment day and, and say, I didn't realize there was a God because creation speaks for itself. So this is, this is what it doesn't mean when, when John says the world. The Greek word here, um, contextually, and remember last week we talked about it, your Bible wasn't originally written in English. Your Bible was written, originally written, the, the Old Testament, the first half of it was written in Hebrew, and then the letter that we're reading here was actually written in Greek. And so in order to really get the deeper meaning that the author is trying to convey, we're going to go to the original meaning of the word. And the Greek word here, contextually, it means not the world like the earth, it means the cultural system of the world. It means the spirit of this world. That's what we're not supposed to love, this cultural system. So what is the system of this world? If John's like, hey, you can't love the system, you can't love the way that the world does things. If that's the case, what, what is the way that the world does things? What is the system of this world? And we can sum it up by this. The world says that the best life is a life that doesn't need God. A life of comfort, a life of ease, one that you don't have to lean on God at all. So no, no matter where you're at in your journey of life, 
Um, I believe that everyone has a desired life that's filled with more ease than struggle. Am I right? You, your life, you'd rather have to fight less. You'd rather have to um, deal with crazy, crazy people less. Like you would want a life that's filled with ease, not with struggle. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh boy, I sure am excited to struggle today. Or uh, what, uh, what am I, what am I going to drive to work today? What am I going to take the kids to school in today? The struggle bus looks real good. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle today. But left unchecked, when we, when we face this life of ease, this life of comfort, um, rather than struggle, left unchecked, what, what it does is it causes us to drift more toward lazy inactivity. Let me show you an example. Guys and girls, you're dating before marriage. You're like, you're into each other. You're trying to capture each other's attention. So um, let's say men, when we're, when we're trying to win the girl, like I can speak to this because I'm a, I'm a man. So, but we're trying to win the girl. We're, we're writing poems, you know, stuff that you never, if people saw it, you would deny it. Uh, you didn't write that. You're writing poems. You're, you're bringing flowers every week. You're like, yeah, baby, I'm going to win you. You're, you're, you're taking her on scavenger hunts to, to come to the end of the, of the hunt. And you just, you open it up and there's a, a locket with half of a heart in it. And he's like, because I got the other half, baby. I'm giving you my half of my heart. And you, you just, you pursue them. Or ladies, you're not off the hook. Ladies, uh, you shave your legs every night. You go to Zumba class three nights a week. When you're out on the date, you only order water and a side salad because you don't want to show how you really break into the dish. You know what I mean. But now, you're married, and what happens? Guys, it's too much effort to get up off the couch to eat dinner at the table rather than just continuing to sit in front of the TV. Ladies, you still dress up, but you dress up in your going out sweats instead. Like, you wear your, I'm wearing my good sweats. We ain't going to Walmart, we're going to Kroger. I'm wearing my good sweats on your, you're still dressing up. You're in your going out sweats now. See, many people believe that when you give your life to Jesus, everything should be hunky-dory, like everything should be good, you should never have any worries or cares again, life should be comfortable. But the truth is this, that God calls us away from comfortable. God calls us away from comfortable. In fact, Jesus said it like this, he said, in this life, you will have troubles, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, hey, you're going to have troubles you're going to have issues. You're going to have struggle and stress. But they're not going to overcome you because I've already overcome them. But God calls us away from comfortable. Side note here, being comforted is different than being comfortable. Okay? So like um, the Holy Spirit in the Bible is known. One of the names that he's referred to as is our comforter. That means over and over the Bible tells us that God comforts us in our troubles, in our afflictions, in our hardships. It's different than what we're talking about today. We need God to comfort us in those things. But I'm talking about this, um, what I've coined uh, as counterfeit comfort. 
Does counterfeit comfort? In our in elevate our, our youth group elevate, we're going through a series right now called Counterfeit. And it's talking all about how do we have um, how do we have a faith that's our own rather than a faith that is just a copy of someone else's faith. But but let's talk about a counterfeit comfort this morning. So counterfeit, what counterfeit is, you guys probably all know, but something that's counterfeit is it's designed to be a very close copy of something. It's a, it's a substitute for something um, that holds value, while the counterfeit has no value at all. It's counterfeit. And many of us are chasing this counterfeit comfort. See, we love to... Oh, there's the Lord. Um, <laughs> we love to chase this counterfeit comfort that says that life in its best, oh good, I have a right time. Life in its best, you guys, I always, I feel bad sometimes for those cheerleaders. You got some cheerleaders in the house when, you're, when they're flipping the signs and like it's inevitable. Somebody flips it upside down or holding the wrong sign. Yeah, that was my fear this morning. That was my nightmare last night. Um, but many people believe that this, that their life should be a life that's inside the box, that's comfortable, that, that's a life full of, um, of, of safety and security and it's stress-free. See, most people live their lives inside the box, never wandering outside of their safety, of their security. They want this stress-free life, so they don't talk to new people. They don't try to learn new things. They don't try to take big risks because the life inside the box is much safer. It's much better for us because I don't like to shake things up so much. But um, most people that, that believe that this is um, the safest place to be, and that really is true. Like the safest place for you to live your life is a life inside the box. It's true. If you always want to be the same person, if you never want to grow, if you never want to change, if you never want to get surprised by amazing things, you never want to open your mind up to someone else's perspective, inside the box is a great place to live your life. But in reality, that's a counterfeit comfort. See, you're never going to live a fulfilled life as, as long as it stays inside the box. See, what really happens is that this box is actually it's stifling your growth. That means you can't break beyond the walls of your life. You're, you're being stifled and your growth is being stunted because of it. You're limiting yourself by never stepping out of the box. See, the, the walls of this box, they don't represent freedom like most people would say. The walls of this box are actually fencing you in. This is counterfeit comfort. The lie that says life inside the box is the best place to be. See, life inside this box here, it may appear freeing, but it will prevent you from being fruitful. It may appear freeing, but it will prevent you from being fulfilled because you cannot pursue comfort and walk by faith. It's impossible. You can't do it. You can't pursue comfort and walk by faith. See, true comfort, true comfort, not this counterfeit comfort, true comfort can be found in the uncomfortable. You're like, what the heck? That seems really, really odd. See, authentic comfort is found when we live lives that honor God, that cause our faith to be stretched 
that cause our, our, our lives to be grown, our lives to be um, better than they were, but it requires risk. Someone told me one time that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. See, in order to grow our faith, it requires a little bit of risk, a little bit of um, discomfort in our lives. And this is something that I like to call uh, a divine discomfort. Divine discomfort. So divine discomfort is this. It's letting ourselves live lives outside of the box for the purpose of growing, for the purpose of being fulfilled, for the purpose of being effective and being transformed into the image of God. That's our ultimate purpose, is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, the perfect one who lived before us. So instead of embracing this counterfeit comfort, we need to embrace this divine discomfort. So let's talk about that, okay? So three truths this morning, if you're taking notes, about divine discomfort. Number one, divine discomfort is a requirement for God's plan. It's a requirement. It's not a, I guess I'll, I guess, I guess I'll do it, or, or you can't, let me say it this way, you cannot follow God's plan. And try to remain your life completely comfortable. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 through 25 says it like this. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. What Jesus is saying is if you want to live a life that is according to God's plan and not your own, you're going to have to put yourself in some uncomfortable spots. Let me correct you. Have, you'll have to let yourself be put in uncomfortable positions. Now, when I say this, uh, there's like a cap to this, right? Like, don't like go searching for it. Don't go searching for it. Or like, uh, if you're like in real danger, you know, like, like. Hey, don't hang on. Don't hang on to the relationship that he's like beating you in. That's not the divine discomfort that we're talking about here, okay? Divine discomfort is meaning that I'm going to let myself get stretched some to do new things, to try new things, to let God direct me in my path so that I can grow, so that he can do what he wants with me. See, you can be comfortable and ineffective now. You can be comfortable and ineffective now. Or you can be uncomfortable and you can read the blessings later. Because in the moment, I'm going to be honest, it's terrible. <laughs> like like the, the first time that I ever walked up to somebody to pray for them out loud in a public place, my hands were trembling. I was, my, my insides were stirring. It was, it was terrible. And I'm going to be honest, when I go to pray for somebody in Walmart, I still feel the same way. I'm still terrified. But the difference is now that I can be filled with expectation because I've seen God do it before. You can be comfortable and ineffective now, or you can be uncomfortable and reap the blessings later. When it comes to God's plan for your life, I'm going to go ahead and take some weight off of your shoulders, okay? When it comes to God's plan for your life, you don't have what it takes. You can't do it. And you're like, wow, so encouraging. Hey, I'm so glad you guys came today. I'll be down here at the front if anybody's... No, I'm just kidding. We're not done yet. 
Man, tough crowd. You know, not even a pity laugh. Come on, Seth. Give me something, man. When it comes to God's plan for your life, you don't have what it takes. And God did it that way on purpose. God set it up specifically so that you would have to lean on Him in order to accomplish His plans for your life. So what does that mean? That means if you find yourself in a life where you aren't having to lean on God and aren't having to lean on God's power in order to accomplish your goals, you either need to adjust your perspective or you need to find a new dream because God has bigger for your life. If you're not leaning into God as the only source, God has bigger plans for your life. God's plan will always take you out of your comfort zone. Always. Every single time. Someone told me one time that God would not have given us a comforter in the Holy Spirit if we weren't meant to be, un, uh, if we weren't ever meant to uh, not be uncomfortable. I don't know. That's really confusing. I don't know why I said it like that. But God wouldn't have given us a comforter if we weren't going to be uncomfortable sometimes. If we weren't letting God take us into uncomfortable positions, we would have never needed the Holy Spirit. But, but God wants us to step out of the boat, to step out of the box in order to accomplish the things that He's calling us to do. So number one, divine discomfort is a requirement for God's plan. Number two, divine discomfort grows my faith. It grows our faith. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says it like this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trouble. Like you're like, wait a second, what? This he's saying we can rejoice. We can find joy in the fact of us running into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, the more that we run into problems, the more that we run into struggles, the more that we run into tough times, the more that God's able to grow us. And you know what I find? That a lot of times God will grow me more through my failures. Like when I don't handle things the right way the first time. Maybe the second time, maybe the third time. I'm, you know, maybe it still <laughs> keeps on giving. But when we run into problems, when we run into hard hardships, when we when we run into these tough obstacles that we're facing, God will use it to develop us. He'll use it to comfort us. I just want to say this. You know, we talk about being uncomfortable in America, but there's there's literally people right now. And I'm not comparing you guys because, you know, you're amazing, you're, you're here. But there's people right now in China, well, not right now because they're so far off. But there's people in China that are having to hide. That they're having, they're still coming together to meet for, to have church like we're having. Except they're doing it in the dark of the night and trying to make as little noise as possible. Because they're getting killed for their faith. And sometimes I find myself having a hard time getting out of bed because the floor is too cold. And they're getting killed for their faith. Talk about uncomfortable. Like, like we don't know discomfort until we face something like that. <laughs> okay. All right, Jesus. 
Moving on. He said, he closed the book. Doesn't sound like a book closed. That's what it sounded like to me. Um, so, growth is uncomfortable, though. This growing our faith, it's uncomfortable because growth requires us to experience new things. It requires us to trust God in new ways. It requires us to develop new relationships. If you're ever going to get somewhere new in your life, you can take this to the bank. If you're ever getting somewhere new in your life, it's always going to come as a result of a new relationship, a new connection that you've made. Every single time, pick up the key milestones of your life. You can always pair it with someone else. When God wants to take you somewhere new, He's always going to bring someone along to do it. So our discomfort sets us up for success, though, because our faith grows as we see God continually come through for us. So there's a story in the Bible that I think captures this really, really well. It's found, um, you guys read it later, because it's found, in, uh, it's found in Acts chapter 16. I don't want you to take my word for it. I'd love for you to read it later because it's a really good story. This is the story of a guy named Paul and a guy named Silas in Acts chapter 16. They go to this place called Philippi, and it is a Roman colony in this region called Macedonia. And they go there, and they're walking down the streets, and there's this, uh, there's this girl that's possessed by demons that's walking behind them. And, this, and, and she's shouting, she said, hey, make way, because these guys are proclaiming the one true king and, and, and this and that about Jesus. And, but they end up, um, this girl, what she was doing was actually, she, uh, she was a fortune teller. And so she was making people a lot of money by fortune telling. She could see the, out into the future. And, uh, and she was making all this money. But then Paul and Silas came and they cast the, the demons out of this girl. And that made the rich people really mad because she couldn't make them money anymore. And so the owners were pretty upset and they caused Paul and Silas to be thrown into prison. To be beaten up first, real bad, to be beaten, and then thrown into prison, and they got shackled on their ankles. And then the Bible says this, that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs to God. Could you imagine the resolution that you would have to have when you're thrown in prison to be shackled and singing songs to God? But then they sung songs, and then suddenly there was a violent earthquake that shook the prison. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. But Saul, Paul and Silas, they didn't actually leave the prison cell. It's kind of crazy. God flung the door wide open for them. He shook the whole place and they didn't leave the prison cell because they looked out and this jailer was about to take his own life. Because if the, if the authorities would have come back and, and seen that there was an escape, this jailer would have been sentenced. To, to death or to torture. And so he was about to take his own life. And they said, wait, wait, we're still here. We're still here. And this jailer took them, he said immediately, took them to his own house. He, like, he said, forget this. He took them to his own house. He gave his life to Jesus. And then it said that night he brought them over to eat. Guys, it's midnight. And he's like, let's have some late night, late night munchies. And then he brought them over to eat. And then his whole family gave their life to Jesus and was baptized. That very night. See, this is really an awesome story. You should go back and read it for yourselves. But the point of it is this. In, the, in one of their most uncomfortable situations, Paul and Silas had the peace to be able to pray and sing 
Why? Because they, they trusted that the God that had done it before can do it again. That God had their best outcome at heart. What do you think that did to their faith? What does it do to your faith when you see God come through in crazy ways for you? Here's what it did for me. Whenever I see God come through for me, it moves me from the realm of thinking that God can to God does. It moves me from the realm of, well, God did it for them to God did it for me. See, God does his best work in our most uncomfortable spots. And then number three, divine discomfort doesn't last forever. Divine discomfort doesn't last forever. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. See, this is talking about the moment when we stand before Jesus and eternity is present on the earth and he's coming to rule and to reign forever. It says he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. See, in the grand scheme of existence, our time here on the earth is minuscule compared to what we can look forward to in eternity. Times that small compared to anything else. It's just a pin drop. Your time on this earth compared to eternity. James, the brother of Jesus, actually writes it like this What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. See, our life is nothing but a vapor, it's here one day and it's gone the next. But our eternity, forgive me for saying it so simply, our eternity is eternal. It's going to last forever. We can't even comprehend forever with our minds. But I want to encourage you with is this. Guys, if you can endure this momentary discomfort, if you can endure these momentary struggles and trials, not only for the benefit of yourself, but for the benefit of other people, I promise it'll be worth it. If you can just finish this race well, you're going to stand before Jesus and you're going to hear the words that we long to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. This discomfort isn't going to last forever. There is going to be an eternity with no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Before you get to eternity, there's this short time that we get to live here on this earth. See, life might be hard, but I promise if you live it the way God wants you to live it, it's worth it. It's worth it. See, our hearts from the moment of our birth, from the moment that we're present on this earth, our hearts are trying to tune in to heaven's frequency. Our lives are spent searching for the truth of eternity. Even if you came here today and you don't believe any a bit of this Jesus stuff, 
like, hey, I don't believe a bit of this stuff. Listen, I know, I was in the same boat. That was me. I didn't want anything to do with it. But I can look back at my heart the entire time. The entire time that I was being raised up, that I was self-proclaimed atheist, my heart was searching for heaven. My heart was searching for something that was eternal. What is life after death? That's the question that comes up all the time. What happens when I pass from this earth? Where will I go after I die? See, our hearts have this eternal longing, this longing for more, this longing for purpose, this longing for meaning, this longing for fulfillment. But trying to fulfill an eternal longing with temporary comfort will lead to an empty life. Trying to fill an eternal longing with temporary comforts is going to lead to an empty life. That's why some of the richest people in the world are the least fulfilled. How can some of the richest, most famous people in the world still get to a place where they would take their own life? That they get so low that they would take their own life because the temporary comforts of life will never fill the void in your heart that is searching for God. Listen, I get it. I get why you drink. I get why you smoke. I get why you sleep around. I get why you shoot up. I get it. Because you're trying to escape. Your heart is searching. Why? Because you have an eternal longing. You're like, I can't, I can't quit. I don't know why. I just I try and I try and I always come back to it. Because your heart is still trying to find eternity in the temporary pleasures and comforts of what the world has to offer. You've got to start finding fulfillment in eternity. Find fulfillment in this life that Jesus has to offer. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.